This week on Glistening Particles. I decided very early to not look at other people's work and to just focus on my own work, knowing mm -hmm. that, you know, I had a long way to go. And the only way I could do that was really to gauge my own improvement. This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you. And that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of those who are donating to the Glistening Particles podcast to bring great content your way every week. Those include Christine Collister, Lorraine Tarbiton, Mike Kiffel, Paul McIntosh, Tanner Lawley, and Lori Hughes. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, hop out to glisteningparticles.com and click on Donate. There are a couple ways to do it. One is through a monthly donation on Patreon, and the other is through PayPal or credit card. And of course, thanks to all the guests who come and share their stories and their enthusiasm. Thanks, everyone. Hey, listeners. In this episode, I'm talking with Brian Kehoe. He's a local artist in the Madison area, and I ran into him, of all places, at the Apple Store, and two years later, after a really long and slow wait to get together, we finally did so. In our conversation, he talks about how he ended up doing the kind of art that he does, and his latest ginormous piece that happens to be at the swankiest mall in Madison, kind of near the Apple Store, funnily enough. And with that, here's Brian. Hey, listeners. Today I have with me Brian Kehoe, and he's one of those people that I met out and about in the world at the Apple Store, in fact, and I dragged him into my show. So here he is two years later. Hi, Brian. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to finally talk with you. I kind of thought, um, you know, I put out a lot of fishing lines when I'm looking for people to come on the show and sometimes they just don't bite or they I lose them and I thought I lost you and then here you are yeah there were some <laughs> uh some peaks and valleys between our first meeting and now and and uh I'm glad to finally be on the show I know so when we met I was in the in the Apple store buying my beloved MacBook Pro that I actually love and um we got to talking about you being an artist and I think that's how it started right yeah yeah as I recall um because I think we were comparing computers and I was sharing you a little bit about what I did with mine. And, and, uh, I don't know, that setting is similar to your podcast. It's very conversational and it just kind of was off and running from there. I know that that's true. I didn't even think about that. Maybe that's where I should get a part-time gig, right? Working right? at the Apple yeah. store. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you, give you a reference. Okay. Well, I have a feeling if I did that, my entire um, paycheck would be pay, buying more product at Apple because I'm in there <laughs> way too much. We're so lucky in Madison, though, to have such a nice Apple store. That new one that they built is just gorgeous. 
It's fantastic. Yeah. So now, so time has passed. So you're, give me a little bit of catch up here. So what have you been doing in the past couple of years? So, uh, after we had met, um, I actually left the store probably just a couple of months after that. Um, and it was actually due to health reasons. I have, uh, I've had some back problems mm-hmm. stemming from a soccer injury from college. Oh, um, wow. and so I took a leave. Um, and while I was on medical leave, I ended up applying and getting a job, uh, for a stone fabricator that fabricates stone for artists and architecture all over the world. Um, and so I was doing that for uh, about a year and a half. But while I was doing that, I was always kind of keeping my artwork uh, as a main focus on the side, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and uh, I was working on a couple of large commissions. Mm-hmm. And those actually finally came to fruition this past August uh, to the point where I was able to leave my job um, and attempt to go into uh, art full time and kind of coming up with new concepts for commission pieces. And uh, so, yeah, and I've had a studio for actually exactly a year now that I share with a friend. Um, so, so, yeah, I've, I've taken the dive uh-huh. in the last two months. That's exciting. I mean, you hear yeah. people that want to take that leap, you know, for their whole life. They're like, well, I just do my passion project. It's my side hustle. And now it's your thing. That's got to be super exciting. It's exciting and scary at the scary. same time. But, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, I mean, and even thinking about people who, who take that leap, uh, a lot of people do it on a lot less than, than what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, I was working for over a year on on landing these these two. They're actually large murals uh, mm-hmm. over at Hilldale and Madison, um, and and when they came through, you know, they they really afforded me to to take that step. Um, and so so I feel very fortunate to to have had that opportunity. So I'm going to back you up for a second, and ask a couple questions. So the the um, stone fabricator, I take it that wasn't out doing stonework, but maybe designing stone? Uh, well, I worked, um, they were doing the fabrication. So working with designers and artists. Mm. Um, and I was asked to come on board because they were starting to uh, work with more artists and mm-hmm. I have a sculpture background. Mm, okay. uh, and so I was actually working on the side that was kind of going out and finding prospects and developing relationships. Uh, so I was going to New York mm-hmm. pretty regularly um, and meeting up with architects and at art studios um, about once a month. I would okay. I would go to New York and um, so yeah, so we would bring in designers, bring in artists, um, teams of architects and, uh, they would come with their designs and then we would source, uh, the stone, uh, around the country and around the world, but then also, uh, fabricate it and, uh, ship the cut stone to the site for construction. I was wondering when you said you were doing stone fabrication and you had a back injury, so I'm guessing you weren't out laying stone, right? <laughs> No, I wasn't doing the actual fabrication. So I was working on the sales side. Okay. Um, and so, 
because I had a sculpture, a sculptural background, um, the company I worked for, uh, because of the equipment that they had, uh, recently been purchasing, uh, large robots, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, they've been trying to get more work in, uh, sculpture, uh, fine art and like monuments, et cetera. And so I was traveling, um, around the country, primarily to the East coast, New York, a lot, like I'd mentioned, um, you know, talking with architects, going to artist studios, uh, and developing relationships, uh, for clientele that was looking to fabricate in stone. That's pretty exciting. That sounds, did you like traveling? Was that kind of a nice shift? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, and and I liked going to New York a lot and it was interesting, um, you know, going to some of the largest firms in the world and meeting some of the biggest artists in the world, um, and having something relevant to talk about, uh, with them, you know, so it exposed right. me to a lot of things, um, that, uh, I otherwise, you know, I'm not sure what channel I would have, you know, gotten to those rooms. <laughs> so interesting. one of the biggest things I learned from that time and from those experiences was being exposed to the business side of uh, fabrication and art making. Um, because even though a lot of the work that we did was for uh, more kind of general construction and new buildings or landscape or whatever, um, some things very interesting, some things not that interesting. But as we were getting more into uh, fine art, being exposed to kind of the ins and outs of mm -hmm. what makes, say, a large uh, public sculpture commission in a major city, mm -hmm. you know, who are the players and and what are the the types of things that you need to consider. And you realize that it's all kind of the same. Mm. Um, as you know, any other type of construction or any other type of building. And so, um, learning about how that works and, and the ins and outs of who to talk to and, and how to present yourself and, um, you know, how to budget and all that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. that was pretty invaluable information that I learned. Well, plus um, to learn it on the, like, in in it not just like from books or in a classroom but to be in it must have been pretty exciting totally yeah, yeah totally and you know and it you know it's able to sink in a lot a lot more effectively that way too so is that what um, prompted you to go after commissions in the area is or were you already doing that before that kind of work um, I was just, I was working on just small commissions, mainly for people that I knew. Oddly enough, um, probably the most commissions I've gotten from a, uh, amount of pieces I've made, not necessarily from a dollar amount, but, um, uh, are customized hats. Oh, really? And so, yeah, so I'm a really big sports fan and I've always really liked sports art, um, mm -hmm. And I started making artwork on the bottoms of the uh, brims of hats that I wear. Um, and I would wear those around. And I was just doing it for myself. Uh -huh. um, and I would wear them around and people would always comment on them and, and start requesting uh, commissions from me. And so I was doing that. Um, and that was 
you know, the equivalent of, you know, having extra beer money kind of, right. you know, um, but, uh, you know, still so nothing, valuable, still valuable, nothing, <laughs> right. Nothing super lucrative, but, um, but still fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that started to kind of graduate into, um, a couple of pieces that I did for, um, for some private homes. Um, I did a large uh, piece for a local brewery. Hmm. Um, but, uh, I had a friend, uh, in Chicago who asked me to, to help him create a mural or execute a mural, uh, for Nike town, uh, downtown Chicago. And that was the first time. Yeah. So that was the first time I ever did anything, uh, large mural related. And he hired me because, um, I knew how to scale an image up. And mm-hmm. so he, he got a design from Nike that they wanted him to paint. And so he hired me to help him execute that. Um, and from there, you know, I, I suppose that is kind of where it was known that I could do something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, through a connection of the same friend, uh, who was putting together a call for artists in Madison, mm-hmm. um, she got my name and asked if I wanted to put my name into the hat for, uh, these mural projects at Hilldale. And, um, and I did. And about a month later or a couple of weeks later, uh, I was selected based off of, uh, my portfolio. Um, yeah. And so, from then, it was about a year, a year of logistics and working with the city on approvals and stuff like that before that actually came through. What is the square footage of it? So the square footage, there are, there are two. And the mm-hmm. square footage of the first one is 600 square feet, which is uh, 20 by 30 feet. Uh, and then the square footage of the second one is over 1,200 square feet. It's... 25 and a half feet tall by 50 feet wide. And that wraps around a building. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's all about, I don't know, just doing the math, I guess, right. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you come up with a design and, and you kind of multiply the scale and, and there's a lot of uh, logistical things that you have to work out in that, but right. um, but it's actually not too complicated once you lay it all out. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a huge appreciation for murals. I I um well, my son did one actually with a group of kids, so it wasn't like a big grown up mural, but he they did a really co- cool mural in sure. a camp. But I love the idea that every person who passes that is getting to experience that art, whether they're <laughs> you know, of all ages, of all time, and they're there for a long time. So, so many people get to interact with that. So I always think that's pretty special. Um, when you went out and worked on the murals, like, are they both done at this point or are you working on, where are you at with completion? Uh, I, I completed the second one uh, last week, Friday. Oh, nice. So they so are long, both complete. How long did it take to complete the painting of them, the execution? Um. Combined with studio prep time, you know, to kind of round it off, it was more or less about a month each. Mm, nice. Um, somewhere in there. And they were, even though the square footage of the one uh, is double than mm-hmm. the first, um, 
the smaller scale uh, design was more complicated when mm-hmm. it came to there was just a lot more drafting, a lot more fussing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the larger design had less colors, um, also less hand work that mm-hmm. I had to do. And so so they both kind of came out to about the same. Hmm, interesting. So, so you got a lot of good sunshine then this summer. <laughs> Well, uh, they, I started painting them in September. Oh, okay. Um, and so I, it was, I had a mix of just about everything except snow on that one. It was like a hundred degrees when I started <laughs> and then it dipped down to 40 and raining like three days later. And, um, then there were a couple of days that was really windy. So I was, you know, had to be cautious about being up on the lift and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, I had a little bit of everything with that, but then this most recent one, I was very fortunate, um, to, to get weather that stayed warm enough to, to be relatively comfortable out there, Mm -hmm. but it did start to get cold. And honestly, um, had I not finished last week, this would have been a pretty tough week to, to be out there. Yeah. It's in the thirties. I mean, Wisconsin, right? You just don't know what you're going to get from one week to the next. Yeah. Well, you do know that it's going to get lower. Right. That's one thing you know. So, <laughs> so I was trying to get Darn it done it. As, as soon as I can. <laughs> so I keep trying to break that trend. Can we just go back up higher? Come on. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm super excited to go see them. So that's right by the Apple store too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Both of them are viewable uh, as you're turning into the mall uh, from oh. Mid- Midvale. Okay. Yeah, that's exciting. Have you like been written up about it? Like there was an image, uh, an image in the paper. Uh, both both murals. The same photographer came around uh, and was taking some photos. But I think it was a week ago, either today or or Friday. Um, that yeah, there was a nice a nice image in the local section. So that was nice. cool. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. So I suppose you're getting going to get a lot of attention after this. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's, there's definitely, uh, been, you know, some increased traffic on my Instagram, I would Mm say. Um, but still when it comes to that, um, you know, mural painting isn't kind of an immediate, Mm -hmm. uh, an immediate medium, you know, so, uh, it's not like having a, a small accessible product that everybody's clamoring to get, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so there's there's a lot of work that I'm I'm starting to dig into this week, actually, in in starting to kind of, uh, you know, display my capabilities and, mm-hmm. and see what other projects I can get into. So tell me what the murals are about. What, what are the themes, the two that you just did? So they're both uh, they're they're both Madison themed and and the original design uh, was there was only one prompt uh, when discussing designs and that was uh, they wanted a Madison cycling mural mm. and so uh, I am a cyclist and uh, bike quite a bit um, and so it was something that probably came into play in me even getting these projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I never asked, but I assumed it probably did uh, because I I do bike a lot. I'm a commuter. I also uh, do long distance bike camping mm-hmm. in the summer and stuff like that. And so it was something that I felt uh, 
I related to, um, on an intimate level. And so, um, so that was the first design. It was, uh, Madison cycling. Um, and oddly enough, uh, because of the location that was pitched for that design, it was right behind a, like a spin class type of, uh, space. Yeah, that's right. And so the city rejected, uh, the location because, um, it looked like it was potentially, uh, too much of a, uh, advertisement for just the one, uh, retail space. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so because of that, they had to move that design and pitch it for a new location. And they asked me to come up with a second design that was essentially kind of Madison general. Um, and so I just came up with kind of a patchwork of iconic Madison imagery mm-hmm. uh, combined with uh, traditional. And so there's text and uh you know, Madison structures and, um, and just, you know, recognizable, uh, Mm. Madison themes. So there's a capital in there, right? There's a capital in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's exciting though. I mean, do you, did you really enjoy the project? Is it something that you're really lit up about doing more of, do you think? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. Um, I think, um, I'm sure I'm not unique in feeling this pressure, like growing up or being in college, um, being asked, I always felt like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, and when my friend, uh, who hired me to assist, uh, in the mural at Nike town, mm-hmm. that was the first time I ever did something that large scale, uh, and was hand painting, you know, an interesting design in a public space. And I remember that being the first time I was lying on the ground of the Nike town in at like three in the morning because we had to paint uh, in off hours. So we were mm. painting through the night. Um, and I remember painting this dumb red star and thinking, <laughs> wow, I could do this forever. This is so much fun. Oh. Um, so, so, yeah. And it's, it's interesting, too, because I never painted uh, before, um, I don't know probably about six years ago, something like that. I had no experience in painting, mm-hmm. but my background was printmaking and sculpture in college. Mm-hmm. And those are both very process driven. Um, and then I took a job in Chicago that was teaching art. And the main requirement was that I needed to teach painting. And I remember in my interview, them asking me, you've, you've painted before, right? You know how to paint. <laughs> and I kind of looked at the people that were interviewing me and I just thought, well, I can paint better than anybody here, I'm sure. So I just said, yeah, I know how to paint. <laughs> and, um, and I got the job and I ended up learning and teaching myself how to paint while mm-hmm. teaching other people how to paint. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what, what kind of started it for me. But I was drawn to more process driven paint styles, even which there's kind of this surge of uh, what would be called traditional sign painting and hand lettering. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a big surge in that aesthetic um, in a lot of cities. Uh, and that kind of is combined with the fact that there's a lot of murals going up around mm-hmm. the country and around the world, really. Um, and so that's kind of what I gravitated towards just because that more niche paint medium, 
uh, is more graphic and more process driven in mm-hmm. the same way that printmaking is process driven. And so I was able to relate to that uh, a lot more readily. And, and so that's kind of what I've fallen into. Mm. Well, and I think that moment on the floor at 3 a.m. probably had something to do with it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so where did you go to college? I went to St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota. Okay. And specifically for art? No, specifically for soccer, actually. Oh, okay. I had never taken an art class before college. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So huh. I, grew up, I grew up in a family that... Um, we always were interested in um, things, you know, like literature, like art, music. Uh, but our background was was pretty founded in sports and athletics, actually. Mm-hmm. And myself and my two older brothers, we grew up playing soccer competitively from a very young age. Um, and And we all played college soccer and I was recruited to play at St. Olaf and I ended up going there because of that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what I wanted to study. And I tried to pick something that I thought that I would enjoy Mm -hmm. doing for four years. And, and I had been told by people that they thought I could be a good artist just from dumb sketches that I had did when I was a kid, <laughs> but you know, as a self-conscious, whatever, right. middle schooler, high schooler, whatever, you don't really know how to take a compliment. Um, and so when I got to school, I, I was going around, uh, for these, you know, uh, department picnics, mm-hmm. um, and it was, you know, a couple of days before classes actually started and just trying to kind of get a feel for, you know, maybe where I fit, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember being at the uh, at the art department picnic and mm-hmm. making friends pretty much right away uh, and really being drawn to the people oh. that were that were there. And I felt like, OK, well, I've been told that. I could do art or that I should do art or that I might have potential. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, well, maybe I'll just try this. And so I declared as an art major that week before school started and signed up for as many classes as I could, even though it was a liberal arts college and I really needed to kind of disperse <laughs> the types <laughs> of classes I was taking. But I front loaded it with art classes just because I thought, well, I'm going to find out if this mm-hmm. is for me. And, um, and I struggled and I definitely was, uh, I was playing from behind. Um, but, uh, but I liked it a lot Mm -hmm. and I decided very early to not look at other people's work and to just focus on my own work, knowing Mm -hmm. that, you know, I had a long way to go. And the only way I could do that was really to gauge my own improvement, um, and I did that and uh, actually accomplished quite a bit at the department there. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating that you went to college without a, like knowing what you were going to go into and landed in art. I mean, people might go to college and not know and land in business management, but right. you don't hear it very often that they land in art. And I, I think it's one of the things that 
that I I don't really lose sleep over it, but it's something that I think about. And that is that, what if I missed my true thing? What if I missed it? I just think that it's so lucky that you played soccer and went to St. Olaf and found that, you know, especially when you love it. Like how lucky is that? It, it was it was pretty good fit um, in a lot of ways. And it's interesting, too, when I think back, um, because I was kind of an exotic character in the art department, just because there aren't a lot of athletes mm-hmm. in the art department right. for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, those cultures can clash sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to call it jacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I was, even though I was probably more traditional in my interests at like a, a school like that, um, I was unique in that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I think people were very impressed that I was able to kind of mix with different crowds. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me to think back on where I gravitated in the art department because all of the mediums that I gravitated towards were mediums that you don't necessarily do on your own. And it does take more of a team environment to, hmm. to work in it. So printmaking and sculpture, you know, like I mentioned, that's what I primarily uh, worked on when I was in school Mm -hmm. and, um, my final, my thesis show and all of the shows I did as a senior. And then my post-grad year there, um, were all sculptural installation, um, related pieces. And all of those kind of take a, a team Mm -hmm. to do a lot of different work. And so I always gravitated towards classes that were more team oriented, oddly Mm -hmm. enough. And it was totally subconscious, but I don't think it was random. Right. So it's because of that's how you probably spent most of your life up till then was part of the team. So that sounded like a good fit. Because oftentimes Mm -hmm. we think of artists as being isolated and loners. So we don't think of it as a team effort. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of you know, cheesy romanticism about <laughs> what an artist is, you That's know, true. and that it's just like this bolt of lightning and, you know, somebody ruminating and in a dark room. But, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's a lot of, I mean, it's like anything else practicing and, and, you know, being influenced by other people and communicating with other people and learning from other people. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, you know. Well, those those lightning bolts can come in different ways. It can be a tiny spark or it can be, you know, a breeze, but it still gets you in the right direction, you know? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were in college or even since then, is there a piece that that you've created, whatever medium, that is just still like your favorite, like that you're most proud of or you're most attached to? Um, Proud of or attached to? Um... There are a couple of pieces. My senior thesis piece, I I really enjoyed doing, uh, which was, it's funny, somebody was asking me about it the other day and asking me about the kind of conceptual nature of it. And I thought, wow, it's so long ago, I hardly even remember. (laughs) Um, But it was this uh, two American flags, one was up on the wall, and one was on the ground. And the one on the ground was uh, kind of a sculptural uh, installation that was a typographic 
um, kind of levels of, uh-huh. of a grid. Um, and so it kind of looked like a top gla- topographical map or, mm-hmm. or um, I don't know, a terrain of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people even looked at it as a flag waving. And, um, and I really liked that piece. Um, and it was at a point that it felt like, I mean, where we are now as a country, which um, you know, everybody has their own opinion on, but it, it was kind of, I feel like the first, maybe not the first, but a distinct point in our recent country's history where it felt like there was a lot of division happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really interested in flag related art. So I was studying a lot of Jasper Johns, mm-hmm. um, the kind of typography of the piece, you know, I was I was also uh, studying a lot of like Maya Lin, mm-hmm. uh, who did the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, and mm-hmm. she does a lot of really beautiful sculptural installation with natural, uh, in natural settings with natural materials, etc. Um, so, so I really liked that. Um, but then, the year after that, I did a post grad year um, that's offered to select seniors at St. Olaf, and I did this really large piece. Um, that was nine portraits of Mike Tyson. And, and that was the first time that I really worked large. Um, and I did it because I had, I had access to the facilities there and I was going to have a gallery show at this very, uh, or at this gallery that had a very large wall. And so I wanted to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And so I did actually work on probably a, a mural, scale. Um, but it was something that I, you know, actually tacked up to the wall, but it was, I want to say something like 12 feet by 17 feet high or something. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So I, I really liked those just because it, it, uh, they were the first pieces I suppose that, Mm -hmm. um, I really pushed myself to work large. Okay. And so where is that? The Tyson one? Uh, it's in my parents' basement. You want to buy one? (laughs) (laughs) No, but maybe somebody does. The listeners out there who are Tyson fans, or maybe Mike Tyson, we can send it his way and see what he does. Yeah. Well, I actually have, so in the past year, I have a a studio that has pretty large wall space. So Mm -hmm. I've been, uh, keeping it on the radar to bring it into the studio and, and tack it up just to take a look at it and see where it's at, you know, what condition it's in and uh-huh. see if there's anything I'd be interested in reworking it or showing it again, maybe. That's cool. That's so. it, it always like gives me a little bit of like a heart pain when I hear people's hard work art is somewhere in a basement, you know, it's like, no, it yeah. needs to be out and be seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose everyone has that though. There's art stored everywhere. I guess I have to get it's, over that. It's true. <laughs> So um, typically, what do you go to for inspiration? Is there one place or is it varied? Um, books. I have a lot of books with a lot of pictures in them. <laughs> and so I... Uh, My picture I, books, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say that and... Uh, I mean, I like researching kind of aesthetics mm-hmm. um, and patterns. I like I like researching different patterns and um, color palettes and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, books from all over. Um, like, I mean, gosh, the book that's right in front of me. I have 
I have one book that's called Sayonara Home Run, The Art of Japanese Baseball Cards. And then right next to it is, you know, a Cristo and Jean-Claude um, book of all <laughs> of their drafts, you know, so it's like they're all, all over, over the place. Right. And I have like Pixar color study books and stuff right. like that. So I, I'm always I'm kind of all over the place in what I'm looking at. I love Pixar, by the way. One of my favorites. Yeah, it's hard not to. I know. If you weren't an artist, what do you think you'd be doing? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I probably maybe counseling on some level or like human resources or something related to to uh, working with people uh, in a communication kind of. Uh, capacity that's a lot different you know because a lot of i mean even though you might collaborate on your artwork a lot of it is time on your own you know so those are very different interesting yeah i don't know i i'm i'm really good at at um connecting with people and that's Mm -hmm. something that in a lot of my endeavors i've i've benefited from you know being a good communicator Mm -hmm. um and so if you remove the art I suppose I'd have to lean on that. Gotcha. <laughs> so. That's a good good answer, though. All right, now I'm going to swing you into a whole new space, but it's really creative, so I think you'll like it. Okay. Um, we're going to go into random facts. So I'm looking okay. for three random facts about you um, that you'd like to share with the listeners. Probably something you wouldn't put in a job application because that's not very random, or on a dating site because that's typically not super random either. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll put my dating profile right here. Then. Um, <laughs> I saw you had that out. It's really yeah, it's, like right. a, it's like wall size. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's easier to reference right. that way. Um, yeah. So three random facts. Uh, I am one of five boys. So I have four brothers. Oh, wow. Um, I was homeschooled, uh, second grade through high school. Um. And I've jumped out of an airplane. So oh. there, there's, there's three. That is three. I think the one that got me the most was homeschooled from second grade till you graduated from high school. Were, yeah. all, were all of you homeschooled? At one point or another, yeah. Wow. That mm-hmm. is a commitment. That's a commitment. Yeah. yeah. So how do you feel about that experience? If you were to it's, choose... Go back and it's, choose. It's the only one I know. So okay, um, it's interesting. I mean, people ask like, "Well, what was that like?" It's like, "Well, I don't really have anything else really to compare it to." But um, I mean, it was it was interesting. I think going to college uh, because we always grew up very social, mm-hmm. even though we were homeschooled. Because there's definitely a stereotype you know mm-hmm. of you know what that does to someone but but I think that also really re- uh, depends on what your family's like mm-hmm. um, and I come from a very social family on both my mom's and dad's side uh, and we were always very involved in sports and so we were constantly interacting with mm-hmm. people um, you know, which for some people, they have to be a lot more intentional about that. Mm-hmm. For us, it just came naturally. Um, but uh, I think when I went to college and all of a sudden I was in a, uh, I suppose, more traditional social setting, you know, in our culture, um, I feel like there was a lot of stuff that 
people have to wade through in grade school and high school from a social perspective Mm -hmm. that I didn't really have to deal with. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think I was scarred in the way that a lot of people are, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the movie eighth grade. I did. Uh, I did. That, it you super know, so, bummed me out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but things like that, you know, I never really had to deal with that stuff because we were very much outsiders on a lot of levels growing up because we played soccer at a time when it wasn't nearly as popular mm-hmm. as it is now. Um, and in a town that it definitely wasn't popular. Mm -hmm. And so we were always traveling to Milwaukee and Madison to play, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was, so at a young age, we were kind of building our own self-confidence in what we did, you know, and we weren't really concerned with how other people viewed us because we were homeschooled and we played soccer and we didn't, uh, maybe listen to the same music or we're just interested in different things. And so, you know, I feel like I grew up establishing some self-confidence in Mm -hmm. areas that maybe you don't uh, as readily if you're kind of amongst a a social situation that's maybe more difficult to navigate Mm -hmm. um, at that age. And so when I got to college, I found that um, I didn't really understand the cliques. And so Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of be friends and approach just about anybody. Right. and so there is a benefit to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from an academic perspective, if I went back, I probably, I wasn't super motivated in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I probably would have benefited potentially from having, you know, the academic peer pressure that right. might've been something, but, right. you know, after you graduate college and, you know, you establish a professional career and, you know, feel mm-hmm. like you're doing well, it's like, well, I don't know, why would you go back and change it? You'd you'd right. probably be in more or less the same place anyway. Right, you know? right. I think you're right, though, about the damage, like the trauma or the scars that it leaves. That is one of the bigger challenges. And I keep hoping and thinking that at some point we're going to remodel this whole education system because the way it began, you know, a one-room schoolhouse and kids walked, you know, miles to school to get a little bit of education every day and then went back home and worked on the land is so different from what we create now where we push so many people into these rooms to try to learn together so and learn the same way when mm-hmm. they're, it's just not it's not logical or fair i mean people learn differently so i think it's cool that your parents did that that's a big undertaking to homeschool yeah, yeah it's uh, i mean as an adult i look back and have a greater appreciation for how involved i'm sure that was right I mean, I can barely yeah. help my son with homework after school, so I can't even imagine. Last yeah. night I was trying to figure out the moles of chemicals of like, <laughs> like I, I don't remember chemistry at all. Yeah. Thank goodness for Google. Oh my gosh, you can just type it in and yeah. answer or get at least some guidance. I would love people to be able to see your art. So where can they find you to look at your work? So uh, the two platforms, uh, I have a website. That's bk-art.net. And then uh, Instagram, I'm posting art stuff, stories, and and photos of of pieces that I'm doing, amongst other personal Mm -hmm. uh, photos. But uh, my Instagram is bkpickandroll, all spelled out. uh, um, Like P-I-C-K-A-N-D-R-O-L-L? 
Yeah, it's a basketball phrase. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> got it. So, so yeah, so those are the two mm-hmm. uh, two platforms that that you can find. My All work right. At. Well, I'm going to be checking it out, and I can't wait to see the mural tonight. I'm so glad that you kept. You know, we connected again. Totally. This is, yeah, this is so, so much I. fun. And hearing thank your you story. so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, take care, and I'll be checking out your mural, and um, can't wait to see more of them. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, since recording the episode, I did head over to Hilldale Mall and saw the mural, and oh my gosh, they're beautiful and huge, huge. You can see them from everywhere. I just can't even imagine doing that kind of work, but I'm so glad to hear his story and hear how he knew, right? Did any of you think about that when you were listening to him? Is there something where you knew that you found your thing? If you did, please email me or go out to social media to Glistening Particles on everything or Glistening Parts on Twitter and tell me about it. I would love to hear that thing, that moment when you knew you found the thing you needed to do next. And if you would like to hear more of Glistening Particles, keep on coming back. I'm doing some new things all the time. And check out the Patreon page for a little bit here and there of the insider information. And if you would like to be on the show, you know where to find me. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to talking again next time. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.